0: So this morning we have the privilege of celebrating communion, of remembering what Jesus has done. So everything is sort of building to that end. That's, that's where we're headed this morning is to remember, is to celebrate. And, but before we get there, there's, there's reminders along the way. There's reminders of what Jesus has done. We've been, uh, even uh, here at Hillside, we've been in a study of Acts for a number of weeks. And even today, is sort of like a reminder of where we've been, that there's these themes that emerge as we study Acts. And, and we want to remind ourselves of those. We want to grasp those and get those in a new way. And this week for, for me is, is one of those transitional weeks for, for many of us, actually, as school for our children has Has started back and there's that weird little thing of like on one hand I'm glad school is back in Um, like there's routine and there's some regularity to our life and then on the other hand I'm not because like our oldest is in the sixth grade and so like at, at our school sixth grade is it and then it's on to junior high and I'm like oh no not junior high. Like, the other day, I dropped our three kids off, or, or two, because um, one was traveling, dropped them off at uh, the, the elementary school, and I'm cruising to Starbucks, in order to get there, I have to come close to the junior high, and I'm looking at the kids at the elementary school, and I drop them off, and then I get to the junior high, and I'm like, oh, no, 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 that's next year? Like, what happened to, what happened to these girls, especially, like, their legs grew longer, their shorts got shorter, like, no, I don't want that, and Junior high boys, no, 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 no. I don't want my daughter around that. Can I just push pause? And so we've we've thought and we've talked about uh, influence this week a lot. And my wife got into a conversation with our with our son, and and was saying like, hey, you know, sometimes you're going to hear kids say some words that you shouldn't repeat. And he's like, oh, I've already heard that. We're like, what? He's like, oh yeah, no, I've already heard that. And we're like what are you talking about? He's like, oh, you know, on on the playground, sometimes kids say things and (sighs) bad words, mom. And she's like, really? Like, yeah, like, like what kind of bad words? Mom, I can't say those words. Do you? And she's like, no, 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 I'm your mom. Like, I want to know, like, what kind of words? And he's like, you know, like, words that start with D. And she's like, oh, he's going to say dumb. Okay, so dumb. She's like, okay, let's just instill, yeah, don't say that word. That's right. And (laughs) She's like, really, like the D word? He's like, yeah, you want me to sound it out for you? And he starts to say it, and it's the other word. She's like, no, 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 no. no, Don't say that word. Get that out of your mind. Like, what do people teach their first graders these days? Craziness. Well, then I had the privilege of taking our oldest on a, a date yesterday. So we had a little date lunch, and we spent some time together. And I just began to talk to her about influence. And who you hang around with, and those wise choices, and peer pressure, and just said, like, you know, are there kids around you who are doing things that you just know, whoa, don't go there, can't do that? And she's like, no, daddy. I'm like, okay, good. There will be a day. And you've got to be prepared ahead of time. And how are you going to be ready to say no when you say, need to say no, to go yes to those places you need to say yes to? How are you going to be ready to be a positive influence? in their lives but here's the reality and I want you to remember back if you can at all with me in your mind who was the first kid that you were like that kid's a bad influence can you remember like think back in your life I mean mine is easy Timmy Burns and it was like whoa watch out did you know him you're laughing because if you knew him you would be laughing because you'd be like yeah that dude's bad news okay I'll ask it another way uh, fireside room listen I want you to do this um who was the first kid that your parents said, listen, I don't think you should hang around so-and-so. They're a bad influence. You know what I'm talking about? Okay, how many of you, you just say, honestly, I don't remember ever having that conversation. Raise your hand. So I don't ever remember having that conversation. Raise them high. Now look around at the room. People with their hands up, they're the ones that other kids' parents warn their kids about. <laughs> And the fact is, if you say, I don't think my mom ever warned me don't hang around with that person. You're the person. (laughs) You're the one. And people set their kids down and said, you know them? Woo, stay away from Mike. He's bad news. Stay away from him. But the reality is this. It doesn't matter what age we are. Issues like acceptance, belonging, fitting in, having an identity, They're fundamental to who we are, whether we're seven or 77. In the same conversation for a child, you need to be careful because what influences you determines the direction of your life. It's true if you're 30, 40, 50, 60s, whatever. It's the same conversation. So we come to Acts chapter 20 and, and Paul is calling together some leaders in the church. Some interesting things happen in Acts 20. He gives a speech and it is his only speech in Acts addressed to Christians. And he's talking to Christians and the style of this speech is not like any other of his speeches in the style of Acts. This style is more like what Paul wrote in Ephesians and Colossians and Philippians. It's more pastoral in nature. This is Pastor Paul talking. And so if you're a Christian Christian, we'd need to listen up. What does he have to say? But even if you're a, not a Christian, you're like, I'm still trying to figure this God out. Well, you get to listen in on how Paul speaks to Christians and calls us to be the kind of people that Christ would have us to be and to, to understand the power of influence, to understand in our life what influences us will then cause us to influence others as well. So Acts chapter 20, there's this theme of encouragement throughout the chapter. Verse 13, they're on a ship and they're, they're sailing on this missionary journey that Paul is on. And then in verse 17, he lands in, in a place called Miletus. And he says, from Miletus, Paul sent to Ephesus for the elders of the church. And he caused them to come to him. And when they arrived, he said to them, You know how I lived the whole time I was with you. From the first day I came into the province of Ephesus. Asia and he's simply saying you know how I live like you watched my life you saw me in action you know that I'm not just teaching things that I don't live by like he's authentic what he says what he says he believes are really the things that he lives his life by verse 19 he says I served the Lord with great humility And that's always a weird moment when somebody says aren't I humble <laughs> but this guy's able to say it and people are like yeah like it, it's legit He says, I served the Lord with great humility and with tears and in the midst of severe testing by the plots of my Jewish opponents. He says, I lived humbly in your midst. I didn't claim to be anything that I'm not. uh, And I served you in tears many times. Like when your hearts broke, my heart broke. And when you were rejoicing, I was rejoicing. And I faced persecution right along with you. Verse 20, you know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you but I've taught you publicly and from house to house. He's talking about his teaching. It's not just that he had a platform. He was in their homes, living life together. They were interconnected. In verse 21, I have declared to both Jews and Greeks, he's saying, I, I didn't play favorites. I, it wasn't I choose this team. It's I was for everyone. No racism involved, which was a part of their struggle in that day. And I, I was open to everyone, Jews, Greeks, That they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus. And then he's talking about this idea that he was around them. You can look back at verse 7 and he did it again. He said, On the first day of the week we came together to break bread. Paul spoke to the people and because he intended to leave the next day he kept on talking until midnight. He hung out with them. They did life together. We've talked for weeks about this was part of the early church. This was part of what separated them from the society that they were in. They were not independent people doing their own thing. They were interdependent. They needed each other. They realized that they are better together. And it's not every person for themselves. It's we're we're together. We belong to one another. And they lived in such a way, this reality... Of grace and acceptance and belonging. That it was infectious. And their numbers, we're told, grew day by day by day. Because people wanted to be a part of what God was doing in their midst. And there was this laying down of my own individual uh, preferences and all of that. To be able to say, no, it's us. Not me. And so where does Paul get this idea Well, he gets it from Jesus himself. And and this this idea that I think Jesus modeled that Paul gave us as well. The power of presence. Not presence with a T, but with a C-E. The power of presence. Of being there. Of being present. Of the reality of being together. There's one word in scripture that speaks to this about Christ. That informs this idea. It's the word incarnation. And what we're told is that Jesus and his incarnation is God leaving heaven, coming to earth, and taking the form of man. And Jesus at the same time was 100% human and 100% God. John uh, chapter 1 verse 14 says it this way. It says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. This idea that the Word became flesh, this idea that Jesus Himself became flesh and dwelt among us. He lived among us. And it says we saw His glory, we saw how awesome He was, and it was grace and truth. And the combination of those two unique values that set Jesus apart... He was present, and he was graceful, and he was present, and he was truth, and he was here, and he was near, and we saw him, and he says, it was glorious. It was amazing. This idea of the incarnation, we we know this is even part of Jesus's name when he's born, ironically, in Bethlehem, which means house of bread. One of the names that. He is called as Emmanuel, and it means God is with us. He's here. He's near. And when we're in those places in life where we feel all alone, the the reality is, no, 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 we're not alone. God is with us. When we're in those places we feel like others have abandoned us or others don't understand, the reality is God is with us. In the good and the bad, through all of it, God is there and God is near. And Paul takes this As part of his philosophy to say, I need others. We need to be connected. You see the models, the the words that are used for church in the Bible. First of all, literally the, the word means assembly, gathering. It's people coming together. The word church has nothing to do with a building, a structure. It has to do with people gathering together. But other metaphors are used, the metaphor of family. The people of God are like a family. We need each other. We're interconnected, dependent on one another. Another metaphor is the body of Christ. And it gives the imagery of a body. With Christ as the head. And all of us playing different roles. Various roles. Unique roles. But we need each other. The finger. The toes. All of that. We need each other. It's a metaphor that scripture uses. To say that we need this. Well then Paul writes in Philippians chapter 2. A little bit deeper on how he understands Jesus' incarnation and our responsibility. And he says this in your relationships with one another the way we interact with one another have the same mindset as jesus be like jesus to one another who being in the very nature god did not consider equality with god something to be used to his own advantage rather he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death even death on a cross. So Paul is saying this incarnation thing. It's a, it's a theological deal. It's a doctrine kind of thing. A beautiful doctrine. But it's also a responsibility. That in our relationships with each other. We should live like Jesus. Have the same mind as Jesus. We need each other. That I need to be a part of something bigger than myself. For my benefit. But then also so I can be the blessing God wants me to be. Here's the deal. Let's let's drill down to specific areas. If I said, I am a good dad. I love my kids. I just don't like being with them. You would say, I don't think that's possible, right? I love my wife. I just can't stand to spend time with her. You would say, that's crazy. You don't love her. I said, the team on staff at this church that I work with, it's the greatest team. They just all drive me crazy and get on every one of my nerves and I just don't want to ever see them again. And you would say, well, then they're not the greatest team. Both of those can't be true. And in the same way, We can't go after Jesus. We can't understand that he has come for us. He has shown us grace and then say, but I'm going to do this by myself. I don't need any help. I don't need anybody else. I don't need the church. Because it's for our benefit that God has said, no, I want you to be a part of something that is so special, so powerful in your life. This power of presence calls us, moves us forward, helps us find our identity. Because everybody wants to belong. Everybody wants to have a place where they're valued and cared for and accepted. The staff, we were at a conference Thursday and Friday. And this author, Brene Brown, she's a doctor, author, amazing, amazing woman. In her book, Daring Greatly, she says that everybody, every human has three basic needs in order to feel, be, experience humanity. The need to be seen and loved. Secondly, the need to belong. Belong. And thirdly, the need to be brave, to have purpose in life. Seen and loved and the need to belong is talking about the power of presence, that we're together, we're accepted. And 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 as I just heard her speak the other day and as I was studying, I thought, what place on the face of this earth should live this any better than the church? Understanding who Jesus is, understanding what Jesus has done, and and motivated forward to say, I want to be a part. I want to belong I want to help and make a difference and be a blessing to others. There's the old adage that people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. The church should be different. The church should have this element of the power of presence. Of God's presence first and foremost here and in our lives. But then the presence of being there. Being there when others cry when others hurt, when others struggle. That's what the early church was all about. They were all together. They were unified. It says when anyone had a need, the church came together and met the need. They provided for one another. They helped one another. They were there. It's the call that God has on our life. So the story of Acts is a story of God on mission through his people and people are united and they're together and he fills them with his spirit to accomplish his mission. So this theme of presence is all throughout Acts. There's another uh, theme that is present starting in verse 22. Let's read. Paul says, he continues his speech, and now compelled by the Spirit, I am going to Jerusalem. Not knowing what will happen to me there, I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. Let me stop right there. You, would, you could say that almost sounds like a depressed person. I consider my life worth nothing to me. But that's not what he's saying. He's saying it it, it may be nothing to me because I've surrendered it to a higher purpose. He says it's something to God. It's valuable to God. I don't consider it nothing to God. I'm special in his sight. I I don't consider it of nothing and of no worth to other people. Like I can be a blessing. I can be a help to other people. What he says is I'm not so self-absorbed. That life is about me. He says, I consider my life nothing to me. But man, it's valuable to God and it's valuable to other people. He says, my only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. The task of, I love this word, testifying to the good news of God's grace. The task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. And so that phrase, good news of God's grace, it, it can refer to the gospel, to the message, to truth. My my role is to testify to the truth of who God is. The good news of Jesus. And, and to testify means to be a witness. To testify means to be able to give testimony of what you've experienced Last Sunday, we were with some friends celebrating a, a, a baptism that we had here. And, and as we were there, I got into a conversation with some people. And I did a little research on this event. And anybody in here know the significance of October the 15th, 1988? What if I give you a hint? World Series. Now, anybody know October 15th, 1988? So you, that, that rings a bell. So we're at this thing and we're hanging out and we're talking about... Uh, this little group of scrubs from up north called the Athletics playing the Dodgers. And you're like, oh yeah, the Dodgers, that's right. And we talked about October 15th, 1988, game one in the World Series. It's the bottom of the ninth inning and there's two outs and the all-star, the hero of the whole entire series, Kirk Gibson, is in the locker room on the training table. He's been injured and he's not played the entire game. But then there's, The bottom of the ninth with two outs and he limps up and he says, coach, I'm ready. Well, you don't look ready, but I'm ready, coach. And so there's these great images of Lasorda and Tommy Lasorda is just scowling like what's going to happen next. And then Kirk Gibson hobbles out there. Strike one, strike two. It looks like it's all over. Well, then there's three balls to the counts. Three to two, bottom of the ninth, two outs. And infamously, the pitch is given Knocks the home run. He hobbles around the bases. He does his little Tiger Woods impersonation. (laughs) And so as I'm talking to these people, they said, I remember where I was when Reagan was shot. And I remember where I was when 9-11 happened. And I remember where I was when Kirk Gibson hit that home run. And I was like, seriously, it ranks up there? Like, that's big company. And yet, like, the home run ranks with those kind of events. They're like, absolutely. I'm like, that's what the definition of a fanatic is for support. You're you're so crazy about your your sport, it ranks up there. But here's what they were saying. I remember it. I saw it. I experienced it. And they were testifying. And they were saying, it was amazing. And so what Paul is saying, I give testimony, I testify, I remember the day, I remember who I used to be, I remember how God changed me, I remember that I used to be the guy who hated Christians, Paul would say. I was the guy who murdered Christians. I was responsible for that, persecuting the church. And I remember the day when Jesus changed me. I remember the day the word of God transformed me. And I've never been the same. And now I testify. I tell about it. And Paul says that day changed everything. When Jesus found me, everything changed. I went from darkness into light. I went from being blind to now I see. All of that I remember. I testify. I testify. To the power of the word of God. That's what he said. Testify to the word of God. The grace of God. Who he is. The power of the word in our life. Is the power to transform. The power to move in power. In our lives. The power of the word in our life. Write this down. And read this later. Romans 12. It says. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, then you will be able to test and approve what is God's will, his good, pleasing, perfect will. He says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that the power of the word in our life is to transform, to renew our mind, to give us new thoughts, views, perspective, wisdom, attitude, to change us. Paul continues in verse 27, and he says, for I have not hesitated to proclaim to you The whole will of God. All of God's truth. I proclaimed all of God's truth to you. Verse 28, he says, Keep watch over yourselves. And all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, be shepherds of the church of God which he bought with his own blood. And I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort distort the truth. In order to draw away disciples after them. So be on your guard. Remember that for three years I never stopped warning each of you night and day with tears. Now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Again, he says, I commit you to the word of God, to the word of God of his grace i commit you to the power of the word in your life because it gives you the power to withstand it gives you the power to have perspective corinthians talks about the difference between earthly wisdom and godly wisdom the the difference between what we can think up on our own and the plans that god has we said last week, Isaiah 55, this verse that says, "My God is speaking, my thoughts are not your thoughts, my ways are not your ways. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so are my thoughts above your thoughts and my ways above your ways. And the power of the word of God in our life is this, he speaks to us. He has already spoken in his word his word gives us wisdom his word gives us insight we read last week psalm 119 says his word is a lamp unto our feet and a light on our path not beaming down this road to show us way 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 down the future to give us step by step by step to follow him the power of the word of the god in our life is this idea that i don't have to have it figured out by myself The problem is, if I am the authority in my life, if I am the only opinion that really matters in my life, I will always have a limited perspective. I will never see the bigger picture. If I'm the one who has to have all the answers, always figured out, I will always be limited by me. And there's different times where the word of God is at work in our life, even through other people who have the word of God active in their life and God tries to help us. And we have to choose, do we just stay on our own path or do we listen? I was 18 years old and I had life figured out. I was arrogant and I thought I was in love. I know now I wasn't in love, but I thought at the time I was in love. And I was dating this girl and things were going way too far, way too fast in the wrong direction and I had just graduated high school and she was still in high school and a teacher, she was at a Christian school and a teacher one day pulled her aside and said, hey, I'm really concerned. I'm really concerned about you. Some just seems like your life is going not where you wanted it to go, like this relationship. And So she came home and, and told me about it that evening or something and, and I heard this and I thought, who do they think they are? I'm 18 years old. I know what I'm doing. Right, like I just look back and I say, no, no. There was one of those times where somebody was speaking the word of God into our life. They were speaking truth into our life. And I just said, no, no, no. I don't need you. I've got it figured out. How many times in life are we living in this way where where it's just our wisdom, it's just our thoughts, and the power of the word in our life would set us free and the power of the word in our life would... Lead us on paths that would actually bring hope and meaning and fulfillment and, and success, but we're so stubborn and so stuck in our own path that we're like, "I don't want to hear it." When God's saying, "But what are we I've got plans for you. I've got hopes and dreams, and they're amazing." And we're like, "Nope, I've got my own plans, La la la, la la. I want to go my way and God's saying, "Wow, if you would just trust me." The power of God's word in our life is not that he wants to limit us and restrict us and punish us. It's he wants to set us free and he wants to give us life to the fullest. Jesus said this in Matthew 4.4, it is written, Men shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And that the word that we hold in our hands or that I hold in my hand, maybe you hold it in your phone. But the word that I hold in my hand is power. It's power in our life. And if we seek, we will find. If we ask and knock, it says we'll discover the door will be open. Truth will be revealed. Hebrews 4 says the word of God is alive and it's active. And it's sharper than any two-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. The, The word of God gets to the heart of who we are. The word of God gets to the heart of who God is. And the word of God connects us to God and leads us to follow him. Leads us after Christ. Keeps us on mission. It has to be a priority in our life. If we're going to live the life that God has dreamed for us. And so there's these themes of presence, the theme of power of the word, and then this last one, I guess, is, an, is another theme. Again, let's read verse 32. Paul said,